Welcome to this episode of The Versatile Writer with me, Sarah Bannon. The Versatile Writer aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. I have to start this episode by saying, this time I'm looking at a topic with a rather sinister sneer, as though I'm viewing it through a pair of murky brown glasses. This is for entertainment purposes, some is from my own experience, and some of it is complete fact. Most of it, though, might have the teeny weeniest bit of anxiety attached to it, making the content of today's episode sound like I'm moaning, but really, I'm just giving my twisted view. Okay, that aside, in today's episode, I'm looking at something that doesn't really get looked at that often. Probably because it can be deemed a negative subject, and nobody likes a negative subject. But here it is anyway. Birthing a difficult book. Now, birthing a book is amazing, joyous even, but there are times when the whole process from start to finish is a living nightmare. Even the words I've chosen today, birthing a difficult book, sounds pretty crazy. I mean, why would I choose that wording over something so great? You may be asking, why haven't I heard of this before? How come she's got a difficult book? What made it difficult to create? All these questions and more will be looked at in today's episode of The Versatile Writer. First of all though, let's get things straight. I wanted my book out there, and I believe it is a cool story. A really sweet novel in fact. So why did I refer to it as difficult? As we all know, that is, writers who choose to independently publish their books, when you've finished writing your book, and you're looking at getting it out there into the big wide world, it can feel incredibly daunting, and daunting can take many shapes. It can be the feeling of highlighting yourself to others, and highlighting means attracting attention. It can be knowing that other people will look at the book, cover and content. It can be knowing that people may review it. We hope they do, we hope it's going to be a good one too. It can be knowing that despite all of the effort you put into it, Organising lots of beta readers, hiring an editor and giving it the several times over with proofreading and then some more proofreading checks and then a few more after that that someone somewhere out there will open it up and randomly find an error in the novel. You can almost bet your bottom dollar on that. It's a fact. Standing out from the crowd is the one thing you want your book to do because that way people will see it in a crowd of millions. If they see it, they may buy it. If they buy it, you can eat this week. But standing out from the crowd is a scary place to be. You have to be in the right headspace for it too. Even if we authors remind ourselves that even the big-named authors who are published by one of the big six publishing houses, that would be Hatchet, HarperCollins, Macmillan, Penguin, Random House and Simon & Schuster, even they occasionally publish a book with an error or three in it. But nobody will highlight those, will they? Self-publish a book and suddenly the whole world highlights it. Okay, so maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but that's how it feels. I used the word daunting before. For me, I guess daunting takes the shape of being judged. Of course, I shouldn't care about being judged, but we all do. Even a tiny part of us does. And if you're listening to this and saying you don't care if you get judged for your work or yourself... Great, fantastic. Please tell me your secret on dealing with it because I'd love to know. Being judged privately is one thing. It means that someone decided that they didn't like your work and told you of that quietly. 
perhaps by private messaging. It's still not nice, but it won't affect much other than your pride and your ego. Being judged publicly, however, and probably on social media, means everyone sees the issue. Worse than that, it means that while they are watching this conversation take place, they are waiting to see how you respond, how it affects you, and how it affects your reputation. It's almost like they are waiting to see you fail. Again, of course, this isn't true. It's just my mind imagining the very worst of situations and my anxiety taking over. As someone said to me a few years ago, the anxiety is lying to you. And that's true. There's a part of your mind that uses anxiety to protect you. And if your baseline of anxiety is over-dramatising everything happening to you and around you, then chances are you'll believe everything it tells you. And that's not a healthy place to live, not even for a moment. Birthing any book, okay, let's use the usual terminology. Launching a book should be a celebration. I used birthing because it does feel like you're giving birth to a baby, a beautifully perfect baby that might have a spot on its nose, right on the tip of it, where everyone can see. Sure, it's a beautiful creation, but it's got a spot, an imperfection on this otherwise perfect being. It might be the elephant in the room that everyone talks about but nobody addresses. Having a spot on its nose seems to imply that it came from somewhere or someone not that great. Ergo, it reflects upon you. Ergo, what a cool word. And it reflects upon your brand when you view that spot in regard to your business. Launching a book should be the one time you can breathe a sigh of relief that everything that needed to be done has been done. It's that time you, as the author, can smile at everyone and feel proud that you've brought another book into the world. A book that didn't exist at all before you put pen to paper or finger to keyboard. It's worthy of pride. It really is. It's part of the footprint that you will leave in this world long after you're gone. Okay, that is a little dark, but the point is, launching a book should be exciting and glorious. After all, after you've rested, it's then time to turn around and walk back to the desk and punch out another book. Yeah, because we all know it's that easy. There is a little sarcasm and cynicism in the ingredients to this week's episode and a grand old helping of negativity too. But if you search for it, somewhere in there too is a dollop of positivity. Honestly, there is. Okay, you need to look a little bit harder, but it is there, I promise. Here's another interesting word, resilience. So resilience is one of those things you're meant to have in abundance, especially when you're an author or an artist or indeed anyone who has created something from nothing and intends to sell it. Yeah, you're meant to have it in abundance, like somehow resilience will fall out of the air into your lap, fill up your whole being, when any negative, or in air quotes, constructive feedback, end air quotes, come in. You're thrilled about it and receive them with an enormous smile. For real though, constructive feedback is the best. Negative, not so much. If constructive feedback is coming from a good place and it's given with love, then sure, bring it on. The more the merrier, because if you can improve a book before it gets published, then afterwards will be a breeze. And that's why writers ought to have a bank of beta readers on standby. Do you remember I recorded an episode of The Versatile Writer a while back on the topic of self-doubt? During that episode, I talk about the giving and receiving of feedback. How feedback can be brilliant and make an author, or... Wrapped in envy, spite or plain nastiness 
feedback can break an author. It's a matter of the words chosen and the delivery it takes. Please do check out that episode because I believe if you're not sure how to handle feedback, that will give you a few pointers. It's worth mentioning here that feedback and reviews are different. Feedback is usually given before a book is published and reviews are given afterwards. But back to constructive and positive feedback, that's a little harder to find. People do seem happier to review a book negatively while they're hiding behind their computer screen because it's a safer environment for them. But for the author, that stuff can hurt. Being professional, you have to put a smile on your face and take it all in because you are the face of your business, right? You are your own brand. But it still hurts, doesn't it? But that's all assuming that the book you've launched isn't up to much. Mine is. Mine's a great story. It's a bittersweet romantic story of forgiveness. See how easily I said that? That's because I believe it to be true. I have confidence in this story, the characters and the plot. I wrote it, so I know it really is all those things. It's the kind of book you might want to read with a hot drink in one hand, a bar of chocolate on your lap and the book in the other hand. It's that kind of read. So why would I consider it a difficult book? Well, thank you for asking. I wrote that question all by myself. Are you enjoying the sass in this week's episode? I do hope so. Okay, the book itself isn't difficult in any way. The story, the plot, the characters, they're all great. Well, some of them were written to be nightmares, but generally nothing was difficult about it at all. Aside from the editing, oh, and the proofreading, and the re-editing, and its entire creation from back in 2008 or thereabouts when I originally wrote the story, before I got it whipped into shape in 2019, had a host of beta readers all over it, and then edited and proofread it again before it went to get published. Who am I kidding? Books are not easy to write, but they are a beautiful art form. So the real question is, how was my book difficult? Well, most of the difficulty came from my own self-doubt, my procrastination over whether or not the story would be a joy to read. I'd spent years with it, so I knew the characters inside and out. But was my judgment of them clouded? Would others like the story? Also, there's another fact to consider. The fact that I hadn't published a novel since my last three back in 2006, 2007 and 2008. The interim was filled with writing non-fiction, ghostwriting and doing a six-year degree. Essentially, it was scary. People are different now. Social media is different. Everyone has an opinion now and are not afraid to share it. I built myself as being a writer and a novelist. Yet so many of my books are either out of print or only the non-fiction books are available. I needed to have confidence in my ability. I mean, for goodness sake, I've assisted enough authors into writing their own books. Why did I think I couldn't do it again? Mostly because this time I wasn't just publishing through print. I intended to publish through ebooks too. It was something I hadn't done before and something that frightens me. Technology does that to me. It fills me with dread that I'll get something wrong, screw up the whole thing and prove to myself that I'm the idiot I always thought I was and welcome back self-doubt. The thing was, the book wasn't being difficult. I was. It all boiled down to my attitude. I was frightened and when I'm scared I back myself into a corner and I get aggressive. Of course, nobody wants to be around that kind of person. I had help, my family, both of whom are brilliant with technology, both of whom will see a tech-related issue 
and jump on it to find out how they can fix it or at least understand it. Me? Not so much. Somewhere in the back of my head, I see the tech issue and perceive it to be like something from the double maths lesson I had at secondary school every Monday morning and every Wednesday morning. I'm 54 this year, so why is a memory from my secondary school days when I was 14 attacking me now? I don't see technology as easy. I instantly see it as an undecipherable string of letters and numbers and it fills me with extreme anxiety and, worst of all, dread. And I'm not overusing that word either. During the lead-up to publishing the book via electronic methods, I actually froze several times. My muscles in my arms, my legs, my body actually froze so much I had to stand up and walk around for a while to get them moving again. It was a horrible experience to feel that way. Incidentally, I do wonder if all those people who hate words and spelling and see English as I see tech and maths. It's curious, isn't it? So perhaps I ought to have named this episode Launching a Book and the Excitement It Brings instead. I would have been fibbing though because the experience leading up to publishing was far from exciting. Some people see it as exciting while others see fear. It's just our perception of it that clouds or clears our minds. That's why the experience really was all down to my attitude and my perception. In future, if I open my mind and my heart, who knows what good things will enter. My family will certainly enjoy that scenario though, that's for sure. I'm thankful they didn't leave home and I'm also thankful to my beta readers Joe, Chloe, Karen and Linda, my editor Helen Baggert and my cover designers Jessica Bell and Emily from Jessica Bell Design. The businesses will be linked in the show notes. I will add another thing though. Once all of the book creation, publishing and launch is out of the way, it will be just another day back at the desk. So perhaps it's best to start seeing positivity and excitement in it all, rather than the fear and anxiety of things that might or might not go right. Life's better that way after all. So the final question I hear you asking, shouting actually, oh you are a loud bunch this time, where can I buy it? Well the link will be in the show notes, but essentially you can buy it through Amazon. The novel is called Living and Loving in Texas by S.J. Bannum. Watch out for those apostrophes. There's no G in either living or loving. And for those of you interested in this story, here's the synopsis of my bittersweet romantic tale of forgiveness. Maynard, Texas. Garrett Cobb's yearning to travel finally comes to fruition. But just when the love of his life, Megan Mayer, leaves him for his brother Billy, hoping to win her back before he leaves for Europe, Garrett plans to propose in the diner where she works, but before he presents her with the ring, Billy announces she's carrying his baby. Now he's back home in Texas, yet instead of getting a big family welcome home, he's met with a world of dysfunction that seems to have waited until his return to be fixed. Billy's not taken on his parental responsibilities, their alcoholic father is missing, and worst of all, Megan and baby LJ are being neglected and exploited. Within 48 hours of his return, the lives of everyone in the Cobb household are turned upside down, leaving Garrett, Billy, Megan and baby LJ utterly uncertain about their futures. And if you'd like to get a copy, whether that's in ebook format or paperback, you can find it on Amazon. Alternatively, you could just search for S.J. Bannum and up it'll pop. And I'll link it in today's show notes too. 
If you want to continue any of the topics covered on today's show, you can do that in the show's Facebook group, the Versatile Writer Podcast Group. It's a safe space and a friendly community. The link will also be in the show notes. If you enjoyed The Versatile Writer, why not hit subscribe and watch it appear in your podcast feed without looking for it again? Also, I'd be grateful if you would share the episode with your friends and family on social media and anywhere else you see fit. Each share means that someone, somewhere will hear it. It might just be the thing they've been waiting for. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Versatile Writer with me, Sarah Bannum, on the topic of birthing a difficult book. I'm looking forward to chatting with you next time. Take care now. Bye.